One woman, one horse, one goal. 48 states for domestic violence awareness. Hello and welcome to Have Horse Will Travel, the official podcast for the Centaur Ride. I'm Meredith Cherry and this is my co-host Apollo. Today's episode, I'm going to talk about the veterinary and health issues that an adventure horse might face. This is not a topic that I particularly like to talk about. Obviously, I try very hard to take care of Apollo in every minutia way that I can, and that includes his veterinary care and his overall health. But whether you have your horse in a high-class show stable or are out on the highways of America traveling, things happen. Horses get sick, horses get hurt. They are really good at getting hurt and sick sometimes. Luckily, Apollo does not tend to be accident prone or uh, he's not chronically ill with any sort of issues. He has a very good constitution. He's a very hearty, healthy horse overall. So I don't have to worry about him as much as some horse owners that maybe have horses that have chronic issues or prone to colic or other health issues. But that doesn't mean that I can just take his health for granted. As I talked about in Season 2, Episode 3, about feeding the adventure horse... A traveling horse like Apollo has a lot of different things that they're going to experience that could cause problems with their digestion. There's also, of course, a risk of injury, whether you're just riding around an arena or out on the roads going place to place. There are, of course, things that can happen for injuries. And then Apollo has the additional risk of meeting all sorts of different horses everywhere he goes. And so he is the opposite of a shelter-in-place horse, uh, to put it in current year coronavirus terms. Obviously, COVID-19 has not been found in horses, but you get the idea now, having been in this situation ourselves for several months of learning about the risk of spreading a disease by being in contact with more individuals. It's the same with horses. The more that a horse is in contact with other horses, the more likely they are to catch something. Just like people, the more you're around people, the more likely you are to catch a germ that somebody has. And so I do have to keep that in mind as well. And then also there is the risk of just, you know, seasonal whatever, where you can't pinpoint the cause, but horses just get sick, just like people just get sick. So all of these things combined provide for a lot of things that I have to pay attention to and watch out for while I'm traveling with Apollo. Now to go through them individually, digestive issues I talked in great length about in episode three, but I'll just cover them again briefly in case you missed it. A horse digestive system is a very sensitive thing, and horses can die of a simple tummy ache. That's probably oversimplified, but yet really it's not. 
if they eat something that is just fine horse food, but they're not used to it, they can die. If they eat something that is maybe a toxic weed while they're grazing, they can die. If they eat too much of a sugary food, they can get sick, they can die. That's kind of extreme, but it can happen. And it's actually not as uncommon as you might think if you haven't heard of colic before. Colic is the horse owner's worst fear, and it can come unexpectedly at any time. A horse that colics, there's many different reasons they can colic, but a colic is generally the term used to describe any sort of digestive upset. So it can be a tummy ache, it can be intestinal, it can be blockage in their intestines, it could be gas, it could be any sort of things that is a digestive issue. And when it happens, sometimes it can be treated. If it's caught earlier, it's easier to treat. Sometimes it requires surgery. Sometimes it's too bad and the horse can't be saved. So it's a serious thing. And it's one of the most common problems, serious health problems that a horse can have. So as Apollo is traveling around, the idea that he is having to switch what hay he eats, what grain he gets, and does that every day, basically, is something that I think a lot of horse owners would really hesitate at doing to their horses because it can kill your horse. Luckily, Apollo, possibly because of his Mustang background, you know, his his father was a Mustang, and Mustangs have a genetically stronger disposition in many ways. Generally speaking, of course, there are, of course, individuals that wouldn't meet that characteristic. But generally speaking, they tend to be hardier. So that might be what's helping him. Also, I do what I can to help him adjust to changing his feed all the time. And so far, that has worked out just fine. He has not had issues changing his feed. There have been a couple instances where I was a little concerned. But then again, I'd rather he eat than not eat because he's working really hard and needs to eat. So he's going to get to eat whatever he can eat. And that's going to change. And there is a risk. But I do what I can to offset that. And what I've done so far has worked well. But I still do have to pay attention. So like I said, there were a few times that I was a little concerned. One of these was one of the places I stopped for the night. The grain that was available was basically just corn, like crushed corn. It was just corn that had been dried and rolled. So it was animal feed, but it was very much, it was almost pure corn. And... I hadn't really thought anything about doing that to Apollo because he was used to changing all kinds of feed, but I'd never given him pretty much straight corn before. But he had had corn mixed into his other feeds, and it hadn't been an issue. But it turns out he does not do well with straight corn. It wasn't anything serious. He just had a little bit loose manure for a day or so while he processed it. But I do now skip his grain rations in the evening if it's going to be corn, like all corn. If it has a little mixed in, it's okay, but not straight corn. That's too much. So I do have to watch out for that. 
there was one pasture he was in that was so green and luscious and moist that he stopped drinking water. That freaked the heck out of me. (laughs) He was there for two days and he didn't drink water the entire time and it was summer and I was totally freaking out that he wasn't drinking water but he was urinating and that was fine and so I couldn't figure out what was going on at first. Eventually I realized it was because he was getting so much moisture out of that grass he didn't feel like he needed to drink water and there was nothing I could do to get him to drink it even if I flavored it he wouldn't drink it but he apparently didn't need it and he was fine. It was just my own stress from that particular place that was the problem. It was not a health problem for him. It was only my health problem for my stress level. And that's really been about it. He's done really well with all the different things that he's been exposed to as far as what he can eat. Injuries can happen to any horse anywhere, even if they're just out in their pasture hanging out. And of course, injuries can also happen while you're riding your horse, whether you're in a nice arena or out on the trails or on the side of the road. So this is a risk that I have to watch for. And actually, he has been injured more times in pasture than he has while riding him. Strange but true. One of the worst injuries he got was when we were stopped for a night in Colorado. He got to running in the pasture, racing around with the neighboring horse, and stepped on himself. He reached his back leg too far forward at just the wrong time and stepped on his front. So he cut himself with his own hoof, and it wasn't a terrible cut. However, the location of the cut was in a place that would rub on his hoof boots and so that wasn't any good. So I had to give him a week or two off so that he could recover from having sliced himself open. Uh, He didn't need any stitches or anything really more than just antibiotic and bandage just till it healed over and then an extra few days just to make sure the scab wouldn't rub off once I put the boot on. So it wasn't bad, it was just really a bad spot. Another similar issue was in pasture. He got bit by some sort of bug, I think, because it looked like a bug bite. There was a lump on his shoulder when I went to saddle him the next day, and it looked like a bug bite. Like he's gotten bug bites on his neck or whatever, and it looked just like that. But this one was where the saddle was going to sit, and it ended up rubbing a little bit there, and so he got a small wound on his shoulder from the saddle rubbing on this bite, which was unfortunate. And so he ended up needing to take several weeks off so that could heal up properly as well. And if it had been on his neck, it wouldn't have been any issue. We could have kept going. Another time that he got hurt in pasture was again playing with the horse in the next pasture over. He really, really wanted to be in that pasture. And the fencing was made up of solid metal pipe. And it was completely safe fencing. Like it shouldn't have been a danger at all, except that it didn't yield when he pushed on it. He was trying to squeeze himself between the pipe rails 
to get into the next pasture. And he sliced up his withers, which is where the neck meets the back. And so he, he scalped himself. He took off all the hair and all the skin down to the muscle before he stopped. And so when I came out to get him the next morning, he was fine except for that he was missing a big patch of skin and hair at the base of his neck. And that was not in the way for the saddle, luckily. So I could saddle and ride him. However, it was exactly where his saddlebag that goes over the saddle horn rested on the front of the saddle. And so I could not use the saddlebag, the horn bag, for a few days while that healed up. I had to repack everything so that it hung behind the saddle. And then we could go along just fine. And it didn't really bother him as long as I didn't put any pressure on it, like a bag rubbing on it. So it was okay. It looked gross, but it was not really a terrible thing. It sounds a lot worse than it was. But anyway, these sorts of things are what happened to him while he's playing in the pasture. And I do try to select where he will stay for the night to some degree as much as possible. I try to accommodate him so that he will be happy as and safe because if he's not happy he's more likely to injure himself. Like when he was racing around with the other horse and stepped on himself was it was kind of because he was playing but he was also kind of stressed out. So I try to minimize that but there's only so much I can do. Some of the times he hurts himself, he's just goofing around, and it couldn't have been anticipated or prevented. It's just unfortunate. It's just an accident. So it's not always preventable. Along the road, I've done a lot better at keeping him safe. He wears hoof boots that protect his feet from stepping on sharp things, and he wears a fly sheet to help keep bugs off. He wears reflective tape and I wear bright colors as well to try to keep us safe from drivers. We have been hit once by a car. I did mention this in the end of season one, the worst drivers episode. We did get hit by a pickup truck once in the state of Washington. It was an accident, but it was also (laughs) a driver's fault for sure. So um, anyway, all faults and finger pointing aside, the time we got hit by a car, he wasn't actually injured. He was a little bit sore, but nothing bad. I gave him a day off and then he was just fine. He just needed to relax (laughs) after the scare and I needed to relax after the scare probably more than he did. And uh, then we kept going. It was fine. Uh, It was definitely something that could have been a lot worse than it was. I do worry about trash on the side of the road, at least as much as I worry about drivers. Drivers, I can most of the time watch out for them and take steps to avoid a collision. However, the trash on the side of the road is scary. If Apollo steps on it and it's low short trash, it should be okay because he's wearing those boots. But if it's maybe a broken bottle or wire or something that he could get tangled up on or that is tall enough 
that if he steps on it, he will cut himself over his boot. That could be a problem. So I can see these things and avoid them if we are on the edge of the pavement, like in a bike lane or the shoulder. And I can see them if we're riding in the grass on the side of the road, if the grass is mowed short. However, I cannot see them if the grass is long. And so sometimes when I'd like to keep off of the road and out of traffic for safety, it's a toss-up between should I be on the edge of the traffic area or should I ride in the tall grass where there might be garbage that Apollo could get hurt on. And most of the time I will choose the traffic over the tall grass because there's just too much risk that he could get really hurt on a wire or glass or something hidden in the tall grass. And this is a decision I made after a couple of incidents where he didn't get hurt, but he could have got hurt, and then one where he also didn't get hurt, but it was really just luck that he didn't get hurt because he got wire wrapped around his leg. And that scared me a lot. And so at that point, I decided I'm never riding him through tall grass on the side of the road because there is just too much garbage there and too much that could hurt him. So this results sometimes in situations where people ask me, well, why aren't you riding him off the road? There's this big grassy area that you could stay off of the pavement. And sometimes even horse people will tell me they ride through there or they don't ride through there, but they would ride through there if they were doing it. And that's why, because cars I can see coming, I can take actions to keep us safe and as far out of the way of traffic as possible without walking through areas where I can't see the footing and see what Apollo might be about to step on and get cut on. So that's a special sort of risk that you only get when you're riding on the side of the road versus a nice groomed trail or wilderness area where there's not so much garbage everywhere. Apollo meets a lot of horses and every horse he meets there's always a risk that they have a disease and might transfer it to him. Obviously I do whatever I can as far as veterinary care and preventative medicine. He gets all the shots twice a year. That includes all the optional shots as well. He also gets deworming paste every two months which is more frequent than a lot of people will give their horse dewormer. He also gets vet checks about once a month when we're traveling, which is partially for legal reasons and partially just because I need to make sure that he's staying healthy and uh, having a vet check on him as we go. It's not too hard to find a vet. We're generally staying near populated areas and there's vets in pretty much every big and small town, you know, within a few days ride so I can find a vet when we need one. One such example of this, actually the only example of this, when we really needed a vet, not just for a monthly exam, but because Apollo got sick from another horse, was when we were riding through western Wyoming and he got a runny nose, like a bad snotty nose, and it was really gross. 
and he got a cough and it was awful and the nearest vet was about 10 miles away in the way we were planning on going anyway so there was no one around who was able to give us a trailer lift and so I just led him the 10 miles I would have ridden part of it but I wasn't going to ride him while he was sick so saddled him up and we took it easy and went slow and gentle down the road for 10 miles to get to the vet and then I camped out in the vet's back 40 while he stayed at the vet for a few days and got a round of antibiotics and then I found somewhere where I could rest him for another week or two and then we got back on the road and he was fine. It was just an upper respiratory infection. It wasn't serious, but it was alarming and it was one of those things that just happens. You know, you're out in the world, things happen. Luckily, there are vets close enough. I can deal with it when it happens and there are plenty of nice people so I can also stop somewhere and pitch my tent or something while I wait for Apollo to recover. And then of course there are things that can happen that you just have no idea what caused that, like that what is probably a bug bite that he got the saddle sore from. I think it was a bug bite, but I don't really know and there wasn't really any way to prevent that. Anyway, I guess my point here is that I try to prevent problems from happening whenever possible, but sometimes it's just not possible. And in those cases, I just have to deal with it when it happens. But since I'm riding in populated areas, not out in the wilderness, it's not too inconvenient as far as finding a vet or other assistance as needed when a problem does happen. The inconvenient factor is simply the delays that are caused by having a problem happen. But it would be probably impossible to have traveled 8,000 miles without any problems whatsoever. And I think that overall, it's a fair assessment, even if I am biased, to say that we've been doing pretty good. The problems that we have faced have been not serious and I was able to deal with them and get Apollo back in tip-top shape before continuing on. I love to read. I am always in the middle of at least one book, sometimes two or three or four or five. Right now I think I'm in the middle of, oh, let's see, one, two, three, four books right now. <laughs> Oh, five if you count my textbook for my classes. So anyway, uh, I'm always reading things and I just love reading everything, no matter the genre. New books, classic books, horse books, mysteries, science fiction, whatever. I read it all. So let's talk about books. And in particular, horse books, of course. I just finished reading Trick Training Horses, Fun Ways to Engage, Challenge, and Bond with Your Horse by Bea Burrell. This book is not new. I got it at a used book sale. It was published in 2011, so not terribly old, but not that it matters. When you're training horses, it 
can be a timeless sort of practice. So anyway, that aside, this book is about obviously trick training your horses to do, you know, the the classic sit down or lay down. She also has silly things in there like carrying objects, uh, crossing forelegs in time with yours so you can do a little dance, taking a bow, and uh, also things that could be pretty useful like walking on a balance beam and stepping on a pedestal. I suppose any trick training can be useful if it's done gently and working with the horse instead of just forcing the horse into a position. The world of trick training has some detractors because there are sometimes some fairly unpleasant and that's not even a strong enough word uh, methods that are sometimes used to trick train horses. But this book is about doing it in a way that you build a partnership with your horse and bond with your horse. And so it's all very gentle and natural and does involve some treats, but it also has a section on training your horse to accept those treats without being a cookie monster about them, uh, which is very important for Apollo because he has a tendency to become a biter when there's too many cookies. Like people give him treats all the time, but if I do it too much, then he could become a biter again. So I do have to keep an eye on him. I don't usually train him with treats, but I just started using this book today. We're working on standing on a pedestal, which would be useful for things like if you're on a trail and trying to go across an obstacle, or if you are trying to trailer load your horse and maybe they're not very good at it, this would might be a good fun way to encourage your horse to put their feet where you ask them to. And so Apollo started learning how to stand on a pedestal today, which was really cute. He didn't quite get there yet, but he's definitely making progress. The trick about walking on a balance beam, I think, would be really useful in particular. So I'm definitely looking forward to training him to do that one as well. So that's what I've been reading most recently. And then, since I can't finish a book without starting a new one, I just started reading A Good Horse is Never a Bad Color by Mark Rashid. This is a horse classic. I've never actually read anything by Mark Rashid before, but I've heard about him a lot. He was, I hate using the term horse whisperer, but people are familiar with it, so I'm going to use it here. He was one of the original horse whisperers. He learned from another famous natural horseman and then also then furthered it with his own methods and experience and he then taught several of the horse whisperer type people who are now famous for natural horsemanship. So he is uh, a major horse trainer from the 20th century uh, learning to speak to the horse in the horse's language, learning to develop a relationship with your horse and not just cowboy it up and do it the way that, you know, the, the rougher way that is more associated with uh, old-timey training. That was probably a terrible way to explain it, but you probably get it. Anyway, 
moving on. So I'm really excited to be reading this one. And like I said, I've never read anything from him before, but it's uh, definitely something that has been on my list to read. And I also found this one at a used bookstore, so now I finally get to read it. The first chapter, which is as much as I've read so far, definitely reminds me of Buck Branneman's book, The Faraway Horses. Buck Branneman is a horse trainer, natural horsemanship horse trainer, that is currently still around and training and doing clinics and whatever. And so uh, his book, The Faraway Horses, is kind of a combination of autobiography and horse training information. Not really a how-to, but there's definitely useful information in there. And this book is kind of the same way. It's full of information as far as I've already started, and I haven't even gotten that far yet. It definitely is written in a autobiographical style, but also full of good horse training information. So really glad I finally get to read that one. And The Faraway Horses was very good. I definitely recommend that, looking up that book and reading that if you are interested at all in natural horsemanship and horse training. And finally, in my little book chat here, a not horse book, just because I adore this comic. So this comic book is called Stranger Planet. It's the sequel to Strange Planet, which was released only about a half a year ago. So this cartoonist, Nathan W. Pyle, is just genius and so funny and just so poignant. Every single comic strip that I read from him is just, it makes me laugh and it makes me think and I'm always like, oh yeah, I totally understand that and that's my life. So if you haven't read anything from him, he is on social media as well. He posts his comics there and so you can find him online and read without buying the book. But his book is a collection of things that have already been published online and also a bunch of new stuff that if you already follow him online, you won't have seen yet. And so the stuff he posts online is all four panel comics and the book has a bunch of continuations. So they become eight panels, which is kind of cool. And also a bunch of standalone four panel comics. But the premise of this book is it's about these beings, as they're called, that look kind of like, they remind me of space aliens, honestly. They, the whole thing looks like it's on some sort of Earth-like planet, but these humanoid creatures don't have any hair. They wear socks, and that's all. And they have these big bulbous bald heads and big eyes and otherwise they're very human-like and you know they play video games they live in apartments and houses and they have pets their cats look just like cats but their dogs have three eyes and they just talk about life but the language he makes a lot of word plays a lot of use of synonyms so he just has different ways of describing things that are saying exactly the same thing 
as we would say it in our, you know, normal English, but he says it just kind of in a a silly way, but also a way that makes you really pay attention to the language and maybe even get some sort of deeper insight into something. But anyway, it's just a lot of fun and I really love it and I've bought both of his books so far and if he releases another one in six months or whatever, I will surely be buying that one too. They're just uplifting. Like they're funny and poignant and whatever, but most of all they're uplifting. If I'm just, maybe I'm having a hard day or something, I'll just pick up the book, read a couple panels and be like, ah, my life is better now. So thank you, Nathan W. Pyle, for making this strange planet a better place. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Have Horse, Will Travel. I release an episode every week, so hit that subscribe button. In the meantime, you can check out my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for updates about what Apollo and I are doing. And also check out my blog, where you can also find complete show notes at www.centaurride.org. C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-D-E dot O-R-G. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.